Um, I have two Patriot League teams ranked. Uh, I mean, here's a deal. They're going to play each other, and that might be their only FCS loss. official podcast of FCS Fan Station with your hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation. Coming to you live on a Sunday night. Kyler Neal just got out of the swamp with the Gators and his Eagles. And uh, Jamie getting out of the swamp as well with some rainfall out in his area. Welcome to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. The OG3 back together again. Kyler last week missing you, my man. Glad to have you back. Good to see your smiling face. Replaced by your gracious host though yeah this weekend for the battle of piney woods why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience this weekend my man first off dustin did a fantastic job as a replacement so uh yeah if i ever need a vacation or i just don't want to talk to your ugly faces i'm just gonna have dustin jump on uh but yeah the battle of piney woods was fun i mean probably 70 percent of them were sam houston fans which was kind of a bummer i was hoping to see it a little more 50 50 but Definitely a majority Sam Houston, but I get it. They are closer to Houston. It is what it is. Um, Dustin, he treated me to two different suites. So we were in a Sam Houston's or a Sam Houston suite. We also went to an SFA suite. So, you know, free drinks, free food. I had some crab, shrimp, fried Jeez. chicken. Yeah, it, it was not a bad way to go. Um, got this cool little flag. The game, though. I mean, the atmosphere is kind of fun. There's a whole lower bowl of the NRG stadium, pretty much. Um, but man, both teams just don't look good. All I can <laughs> I can say that um, SFA led for you know three in three quarters and ninety percent of the fourth quarter, ninety five percent. They kind of screwed themselves over a few times. Uh, but then Sam Houston's quarterback. I mean. I'm going to say it because they've had a history of great quarterbacks with Briscoe, Schmidt. I mean, you can go back the lineage and, and look at a good Sam Houston quarterback. They do not have one. Holy crap. That And I don't want to, you know, put any digs on anyone. But, oh, my gosh, Sam Houston, if he just played 50% better, they win by 20. Dustin's not going to like that. But there were so many missed wide receivers way down the middle. Could have scored on touchdowns even if he was just a smidge better. Um, yeah, I mean that quarterback awful, but other than that, fun, super fun game. That is awesome. And Andrew Markham, I believe is how you say the last name, Andrew. That was exactly what was his question. So Andrew, uh, we're just going off the beaten path tonight and saying, we're going with your question before any quick hits or before the big seven, he was wondering how that final battle of the piney woods was for you, man. So it sounds like you had a good time. Sounds like it was an entertaining game. And thanks again to the rev last week for stepping in on our podcast. So yeah, Very exciting. Uh, Jamie, you are our stats top 25 voter extraordinaire. Um, so I am excited to get right into the big seven because this first question is going to be perfect for you, man. So here we go. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the big seven. 
Oh, gentlemen, we are just getting into the, uh, we're about two games in for most conferences into conference play. Uh, so we're starting to see how things are playing out. And Jamie, I love this question, which starts from Joshua Hoffman. Thank you so much, Josh, for sending it our way. He asks, how many teams have arguments to be number one at this point in time? Who are they? And make arguments for each. You know, I think it just seems simple to say the Montana, South Dakota State, North Dakota State. But as this ball keeps rolling, you've got Delaware's, you've got Sacramento State. Heck, last year's runner-up, Montana State, continuing to impress. So, Jamie, the more you look across your top 25 and beyond, who has arguments right now? Let's not even talk about those two top Dakotas in regular Montana. Is there anybody else? Yeah, I mean... You're probably looking eight teams that could place a claim if you really wanted to make an argument. Now, obviously, everybody's got to pick one, and it's usually going to be North Dakota State and a few South Dakota states, you know, Montana here and there. But Montana State, all they're doing is beating everybody easily. Sacramento State, there's no flaw in that game. They've got an FBS win, and, and they're just rolling over everybody, and they rolled in there. FBS game, uh, go on down the list. Uh, Delaware, no flaws there. Got an FBS win, rolling through the conference. Now, I I, I would say Delaware, their non-conference is a little weaker. Uh, that's what the teams out here do in the East. They, pl they play a little bit more of a cream puff type schedule. Uh, Weber State, another team undefeated with an FBS win and just rolling through people. And then Jackson State could have an argument. I mean, they're beating people by 20 and 30 points. Now, we know that schedule strength is not good, but if you could make an argument, that's, that's kind of where I would I would go. That many teams could have an argument, although I'd say there are only four legit teams that would that I would say I would consider uh, putting in the number one spot right now. So you say four legit teams. I'm going to guess you got two Dakotas in Montana. What is, what's your gut telling you for that fourth? Sacramento State. Oh, Sac Just State. love the way they're playing, yeah. Okay, very cool. You're watching on YouTube, you're seeing the top 10, but this is going to be a little outdated uh, as of yesterday. So, Kyler, what do you think, man? Do you think other teams can hold claim right now? Um, because you, you, there's some weaknesses in those top three that everybody's so high on. What do you feel about this whole scenario? Yeah, everyone has a flaw. Um, now, now, can some other teams overcome that flaw? That's going to be the biggest question. Uh, I, I think there are probably, like Jamie said, um, before he mentioned the number, I kind of had a number in my head. Now I was thinking seven to eight teams probably have a claim for that number one. Um, you know, you could probably even look at Jackson State. Besides, they don't have really the resume, um, but they're beating up people and they look the part. They look like they could be a very phenomenal team just because of how they're playing and how they're beating up them. But without having a top 50 win, you probably can't put them close to the top. Um I think, you know, outside of the Dakotas and the Montanas, yeah, you got Delaware, Weber, Sac State, that all can have a claim. Um, I mean, some of them have better resumes than the four up above them. So that is kind of one of the difference. And then neither of those teams have lost yet. They few of them have FBS wins. Well, all three of those have FBS wins. So you could definitely throw them in number one. And I don't think anyone would be super argumentative, or if they are argumentative, do they have validation to that argument? Probably not. Just depends on where you view that team. Um, I still left North Dakota State at my number one. I, I don't think they've shown me anything to say another team's going to beat them this year through the title. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. 
because it's like I just said, everyone has some type of flaw outside of maybe Sac State right now looks the most complete, but also they gave up 500 passing yards to Utah Tech. So, I mean, it was in week one. It looks like they've already switched up that. No one's really been able to do anything on them since, but that might be their flaw. Weaver still has maybe some offensive flaws that we saw versus UC Davis. Um, Delaware, they don't have the out-of-conference resume because Jamie said the Northeast likes to, you know, play it a little easy because they know the CA is going to be pretty difficult. So, yeah, seven, eight teams probably have a realistic claim to be number one. Who is number one? That's for you to decide. I'm still leaving North Dakota State there. All right. So before we leave this question, you can't use the Dakotas or Montanas. They're not there. Poof. They're now the West. They're now the uh, the Northern Division of CUSA. Congratulations to those schools. They're gone. Pow. The remaining teams, who would you put at number one? Jamie, I think you gave it away, but I need vocal confirmation. Who would you give the number one spot to right now? Sacramento State and uh, I mean Kyler hit on it. They just they look very complete. They look maybe more complete than the two Dakotas. Mm, interesting. I would go with Delaware. I like that win over Navy with the FBS win. And we can't Rhode Island may not be as good as we thought, but that definitely was a quality win in their resume. They're, we're going to learn a lot about them with William and Mary, but I think they're a pretty balanced team as well. Kyler, who would you pick? Um, you know, just to be different from all of you guys, I'd probably lean with Weber then. Um, because <laughs> I agree with everything you said. And, you know, at first I was going to say Sacramento, but Jamie took it. Then I was going to say Delaware and then Matt <laughs> took it. So, you know what? Weber State, it is what it is. I think they're all three extremely equal. One thing I like about what Weber's done so far, out of those four mentioned, I think they probably have the better wins. Um, and they've won in a slugfest. That's that defensive style that we've known Weber State to do. They've won in a low-scoring slugfest. They've won where they're just bombing the ball down the field. They've won running the ball. They've won on special teams. If you're looking for a complete team, as of right now, Weber State looks pretty dang complete. Uh, Baron, he looks a lot better than last year. So, yeah, I think all three of them, though. It is what it is. Very cool. Uh, just like the top three right now, we might just not know. All right. Great question, Joshua. Thanks for kicking it off strong. Um, Jamie, I'm going to, I hate to just lean into you right away for this podcast, my man, but um, Brian Munez, he had a few questions for us this week. I took some of the best ones he had, Brian. They were all great, but for time's sake, couldn't use them all. But he asked, did the media coaches selection committee want teams to play a challenging schedule or are they just looking for great records against potato teams? He gives an example. He's a Southern Illinois fan and he remembers 2019, the selection committee left them out even though they had an FBS win, they were seven and five. And he remembers the quote of them saying their body of work just wasn't good enough to get them in the field. So I don't want to focus as much on 2019 in the past, but Jamie, you're a stats top 25 voter. Kyler, you're a voter in many polls. You guys put your top 25s out all the, all the time. I will self-admit I am not a poll individual. I don't build one every week. Uh, so I really want to know, guys, like how do you balance that of the tough conference games, the tougher what appears to be schedules versus teams that have one versus inferior opponents. Jamie, make Brian feel okay. What do you think, man? Yeah, I, I think that he was trying to say that uh, also that the voters look down upon the Valley and the big sky a little bit. And that's a little laughable if I read that whole question right this, this morning, but uh, I, I think they value wins and unfortunately it doesn't matter how you get them. Uh, as long, but as long as you have eight plus, it doesn't matter play Lehigh and Delaware State and Bryant all you want, 
if you get to the eight wins and you're in a top conference, you're getting in. And I think back in 2019, Illinois probably was the fifth or sixth uh, team in the Valley, and they weren't going that far with, with the, the bids uh, probably after the year before in 2018 when the CAA got six and was crap. But, I mean, I think week schedules for those top three conference are okay for the playoff committee because they're going to say, oh, well, they just eased into that and went against their tough conference and came out of there with eight wins. That's a playoff team. Whereas if it's a SOCON team or a Big South or OVC, they're going to get a little bit more penalized for playing a a cream puff because their eight wins aren't going to have the value uh, of the schedule play, uh, a conference play as the other ones. That's, that's kind of how it feels to me. Um, those CAA, Big Sky, and Missouri Valley are going to take up most of your bids, and that's just kind of how it is. And why would they schedule even tougher, unfortunately? I mean, I said it for years with JMU. I don't want to continue to play those types of teams, but it was also the smart way to schedule. Yeah, we, we're pretty big defenders of the playoff committee on this podcast, I would say. Overall, we think they do mostly a really good job, especially with the seating. I, I think 2014 field, you're always going to have two or three misses. We say this every year. You will always have two or three misses, whether you are putting it together, the fans put it together, the coaches put it together, a committee put it together. You will always have that. And perhaps Southern Illinois was that in 2019. There's always that one team everyone goes, what? No. And it stinks when it happens to you, but like that for the most part, I really do think the playoff committee can justify a lot of their actions. Uh, Kyler, how do you feel on this, man? You put out your top 25 every week with no fear. What do you got? Um, it's, it's kind of weird. So you guys touched on it a little bit, right? With, you know, better conferences, uh, maybe scheduling a little bit weaker. Uh, let's, let's take the Missouri Valley for it because I just want to throw out this scenario instead of answer the question. If the Missouri Valley and their out-of-conference schedule is scheduling the Southland, okay, so just hear me out. Southland, of course, in return is scheduling the Missouri Valley. One of those looks like it's a really tough out-of-conference schedule. The other one looks like it's a really ridiculously easy out-of-conference schedule. And then now they're playing conference games versus themselves. It all averages out. So, (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, if if I, I prefer having, you know, one easy game for my team, one difficult game versus another playoff caliber team, then a little bit of money. If I, if I could pick a schedule for everyone, that's what I would love to do for everyone. You play one team you should beat. Now, if you're a bottom 10 team in the FCS, you're probably not going to find that. And that's where you got to go D2. If you want that one team, you could for sure beat. But then you need the money game. And then I think if you're a playoff caliber team, I don't care what conference you schedule try and schedule other playoff caliber teams. Um, my team has done that forever, but yeah, it, it all kind of works itself out. I mean, if you were in the big South, um, not the SoCon as much, you know, they do play pretty tough SEC and they have a mixture. Uh, but if you're in the big South, yeah, in the out of conference, you, you got to play up just because if you look at the rest of the big South, it looks really bad right now. So if you want to prove that you're a multiple bid conference, you got to play up and start beating some of those other teams from those other conferences and unfortunately, the Valley, the Big Sky, the CA, you get a schedule a little bit down compared to your own caliber because everyone thinks every other conference is below them. So uh, it, it kind of makes it for a weird question, I guess, just because, yeah, the tough conferences, yeah. 
are going to play special teams all season. But yeah, it's definitely a hard thing to balance. And the thing with it is like kind of what you said, Kyler, that's NDSU and James Madison when they were the FCS 101. They were like cream puff, easy, easy game. That is FCS and not D2, so it doesn't affect us with the committee. Mm-hmm. Every year, if we could do it, an FBS game because we feel like we can win the games and we get the money. If you and the number, the other one is what is appears to be a good middle tier or good out of conference FCS game. Like that's yeah. their goal of scheduling, and then their strength of schedule within a strong conference will get them into the playoffs. So, yeah, well, and also this question because wasn't didn't Southern Illinois have a D two game on there? That seven uh, no, win season, I don't think they did. I think that was the year no. where they overscheduled FBS teams, okay. where they had like two or three FBS games, and so. But they also um, didn't have like any ranked wins, so it's 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 one of those things. If you're a bubble team, I don't care what conference you're in. Seven wins, that's kind of the limit for a majority of conferences on can they make it or kind of not. You need some ranked wins. That that's it. So if you're not going to get ranked wins in your conference, be, like because you're in the Pioneer League. Guess what? You you got to schedule up. You got to have a tougher at a conference schedule to prove your worth. That's why I love what Incarnate Word did. It looked like the Southland was going to be down pretty far. They scheduled up. They played a really tough at a conference schedule. They murdered it. Now, after they lose to Southeastern Louisiana, we're probably all thinking Southland's getting two bids just because of one team proved themselves in the out of conference. The other one, guess what? They're probably going to win the automatic conference. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of fun, but. Yeah, if you're not going to have those ranked wins in your regular conference schedule, you got to play a more difficult at a conference schedule. Yeah, there it would be the fact that they played. Um, it would their ranked win was Illinois State, and they were number fourteen, I believe. Illinois State, yes, they made trash. the playoffs. Yeah, yes. that was the team. That was the nine to three game against NDSU year, wasn't it? Yep. So that was yep. So they had played Illinois State in round one in the playoffs, but. Throughout the regular season, they had beat uh, UMass would have been their FBS win. So, I mean, there there was some some there was some legitimacy to the argument. The thing you would have pointed to was the fact that in their Missouri Valley schedule, they lost to ranked SDSU and they lost to ranked NDSU, and there wasn't much ranked substance. But of course, with auto bids, there's just only a limited amount of spots. But yeah, SIU was definitely in that position of like argument in 2019 for sure. But we don't want to spend too much time in 2019, 2019 SAU, Brian. Plus, we have other questions from you as well. So thank you again for that one. We will move right into our third question, guys. This is from Mr. Bruce Edmiston. He wants to know the Wax Sun auto qualifier. How will that be determined? And which team do we think will be that auto qualifier ultimately? Jamie, you did some research on this, my man. It's a weird answer, but who, how is this determined? Who wins the Wax Sun, essentially? Yeah, so they're playing kind of a partnered schedule, but because it's not a true conference, each conference is going to nominate their conference champion. And, you know, nominate, I don't think that's necessarily by vote. It's going to be whoever has the best record. Uh, And then it's going to go to a power ranking by uh, Warren Nolan, which is kind of an RPI-based analytics ranking. Uh, I don't like it. I understand it because they don't really have a good way schedule wise because they didn't schedule each other all the way through. But then again, you know, the big sky and CAA, they can't play all the way across either. Uh, but that's how they did it. Um, who's going to be that team? Despite their loss yesterday, I still think the answer is Austin P. Um, they did go lose on the stripes. Um, 
to Will Siller Siler's team. Uh, so that was uh, a really good win for Central Arkansas. So is that going to start some momentum for them uh, to move forward? Uh, we'll see. Uh, but Austin P looks like that team to me. And the one thing that, the, that each side has to contend with is Jacksonville State and Sam Houston because they're ineligible, but they still count in the standings. And it's going to be harder for the Atlantic Sun side because Jacksonville State's still a pretty good team. Uh, Sam Houston, uh, not as much, to be honest. Um, so I don't know how much they're going to impact that race, but I think Jacksonville State's going to impact that race uh, one way or the other. Uh, but I, I would lean Austin P at this moment. Do you think Abilene Christian at four and one right now has a shot at it? They're four and one in the whack. They've, I mean, they lost to Missouri only 34 to 17. And, you know, Missouri, we saw what they did to Georgia the other day. I know the committee's not going to think about that and there's going to be other factors, but um, when you look across their schedule, they beat Lamar 2014. Uh, beat Prairie View, and then Western New Mexico is obviously not a great win, and it's below. But then they beat Utah Tech to start uh, the conference play. Now they have to go to Stephen F. Austin. They have to go up to UND in a later out-of-conference game. Uh, but what do you think about that? Do you think they have a shot to maybe compete, or do you just have more faith with Austin P. right now? No, I've got more faith with Austin P. If you want me to pull somebody from the bottom of what we expected from the, uh, the WAC, I- I've been – ringing the bell all year southern utah you see how close they came to eastern kentucky yesterday they're three uh, and two right now yeah they are um and they're a young team uh really turned over that roster but they play hard they play with a lot of heart you can't coach heart and determination you can coach talent and coach that up um you know that was very encouraging for that team to go on the road like that so i, I mean i don't know that they're not a playoff team this year they're probably not going to figure into it but if you want to say somebody who was at the bottom and now they're, they're coming. That, that's the team I've been watching all year. I, I'm, you know, I've got the connection with coach Fitzgerald, both of us being a JMU alum and I'll ring that, that bell all, all year. And I won't hide uh, how much I, I like him and, and the way that that team is uh, moving forward and what I like for them for the future. Yeah. Uh, I think, man, I almost wish I would have made this thing the taco bet, <laughs> but uh, we'll leave the wax on question for now in terms of who's going to be the auto bid for that one. And I want to move right into asking Kyler Neal our fourth question of the evening. If anybody's getting a sense of where the Big Seven's going tonight, it is undoubtedly people's curiosities of who's going to win certain conferences and already starting to think about that playoff stretch. I mean, it it's the first week of October, guys. I mean, we're seven, eight weeks away from mock playoff specials being streamed and a lot of fun. So, Kyler, I'm going to roll us right into the Patriot League with a question by Andrew Markham. Again, Andrew, thank you so much for all the questions. And he wants to know, is it possible the Patriot League gets two bids this year? Typically, these are quick hit questions. We've got to show some respect to some of the smaller conferences. I have on YouTube them pulled up. And right now, Fordham and Holy Cross sit there. Holy Cross 5-0, and Fordham 4-1, and Holy Cross being ranked. Um, is Fordham going to get any rank in love? And is there a chance we see two Patriot League teams in the field this year? Um, I have two... Patriot League teams ranked. Uh, I mean, here's a deal. They're going to play each other, and that might be their only FCS loss. Uh, it looks like they're going to run through their conference. But what's nice about this is they got to prove themselves in the added conference. This is what we're saying. If you're not going to play multiple ranked teams, you got to schedule up. Fordham beat two CAA teams. CA pretty respected in the playoff committee's mind, right? They beat Monmouth. 
They beat Albany. Now, are they the toughest CAA teams? No. But then they also went toe-to-toe with Ohio and lost on the very last second play. Um, Demorat, their quarterback, Tosh Poinos, nephew, absolutely is torching people, okay? And then you look on the other side and you look at Holy Cross and you go, well, they're already a top 15 team. They started around number 18 or something in the nation, maybe even sooner than that. They beat Yale. They beat Colgate. They beat Harvard. They beat FBS Buffalo. I think if Holy Cross runs through their schedule and maybe let's say they lose to Fordham, Holy Cross is getting in. Um, I mean, I really do think that. I think Fordham does potentially need to beat Holy Cross in order to solidify it for sure too. I think Holy Cross is in because of that Buffalo win. That that FBS win helps them a lot. Um, but man, I mean, Fordham, 2-0 versus CA. You, you can't tell me that's not solid. So they played up. I think this is a year we may get two Patriot League teams. I have both of them ranked. I don't want to get into a shootout with Demorat. Yeah, why no, are, I agree. Why are I there agree, so many Carly. taco bets? Why are there so many taco bets? Yeah, they just they, just they just present themselves. Um, no, I, I completely agree with Kyler, and I, I also agree that it's if the Patriot League is going to get two, that Fordham needs to win that game just because Holy Cross still has the FBS win to fall back mm-hmm. on and Fordham doesn't. Um, also, you're going to get in a shootout with Fordham, and what that might happen to Fordham is you get in a shootout and you lose. Yeah, uh, It happened uh, against Ohio, which is obviously an FBS team. Uh, probably not going to happen in the Patriot League, but the fact that Holy Cross has some defense leans me to think they're probably going to wind up winning that game. But yeah, I, I think... It's going to come down to the end, and like Kyler Holly and Monmouth has shown, maybe they're not as low of a CA team as you think because they've got a couple of nice wins in the CAA. Yeah. So that's just all that's doing is just improving Fordham's resume, helping Fordham. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, rooting for it, man. There's nothing more like why not? Some people think I'm a homer because I'm from the Big Sky and I tout that there's a lot of good teams in the Big Sky. There's nothing that would make me happier than the Big Sky being bad. I mean, I wish my schedule was versus easy teams. So the more I get these, you know, smaller conferences that look like a two-bid conference, I'm happy. I'm rooting for it. So, uh, yeah, give me the Fordham. Give me Holy Cross. That'd be sweet. (laughs) Make my path a little bit easier. Well, I honestly thought this would go in a different direction. So I'm surprisingly shocked and super (laughs) happy to hear that we could have uh, two bids of the Patriot League. That would be a lot of fun. So great, great question, Andrew. And speaking of great questions, we might as well keep it rolling here with Jason Plotkin, always a great listener to the podcast, wants to know what we think of Prairie View's relative dominance of Grambling in the State Fair Classic. Have they emerged as a SWAC title contender to Jackson State? Okay, so I'll be surprised to hear a yes to this one as well because both of you have been so on the Jack, the Jackson State uh, train, and rightfully so. That team is rolling, and it's talented. And when we look at Prairie View, and I'm going to get them pulled up here in a second, do we think, Kyler, there's a chance? You got a firsthand experience to watch this team. Could they compete with the talent that's at Jackson State? I think Prairie View's got a lot of heart. I think they play tough. No, they, they're not on the same caliber as Jackson State. Jackson State is just too dang talented. They got too much, too high-tier recruits. Uh, Prairie View, I love them. They're right next to my home. They're the closest team to me right now. But, I mean, I watched what Incarnate Word did, and I think 
I think Jackson State's defense is quite a bit better than Incarnate Word. I would love to see that matchup because I think it'd be a fun, like, trying to be a shootout. Uh, but, yeah, give me... Let's see. I don't know. I still like Alcorn, maybe, in, in the um, West. But, yeah, I don't think anyone's really going toe-to-toe. Uh, with Jackson State this year in the SWAC, they just they look too good. And oh, it's uh, we need Preston Adams on here to tell us the South Carolina State uh, of this season who could stop Deion Sanders and Jackson State if it even exists. Does it exist, Jamie, or is this just an inevitable conclusion? Yeah, I don't feel like it exists. I think Jackson State is improved on both sides of the ball this year. I think Shudder Sanders in his second year. Looks like a dog, man. He, you're not stopping him. And then mm-hmm. the defense looks a lot better. I, I don't. I just don't see it. I mean, Prairie View might win the West, but Jackson State's going to roll through them, and, and they're not going to make the mistake again in the Celebration Bowl that they made last year. They're going to be ready, and and they're going to probably win the Celebration Bowl by twenty to thirty points. Yeah, I would love to see them in the playoffs. I, I know it's not going to happen. I, I wish it would just because I want to see how they stack up. I mean, I know they're going to play a terrible schedule and it it's going to be a little different um, trying to evaluate them, but they look real good. I just wish I could see them against a little bit more. I mean, I guess I'll see them against Campbell and just see how they look against a team that's been okay. Right. Yeah, that Campbell game is going to be a huge setup. So, all right, we might look back on this and laugh at ourselves uh, if Prairie View pulls a, what could be a crazy upset, but we're not even sure they're going to win the SWAC West at this point, so we will maintain faith with Jackson State moving forward. All right, guys, uh, Jamie, here you go, man. This is your old stomping ground. Michael Fidelli wants to know what CAA teams uh, would be playoff bound if the season ended today, and if you're watching on YouTube on the FCS Fans Nation Network with a shameless plug, here you go. Here comes the CAA standings. And tell me, who do you think, man, who would be in the playoffs today right now? Uh, who would be in right now? I would say Delaware, Locke. Elon, Locke. William & Mary, probably. Richmond, Rhode Island, and Villanova on the bubble. Uh, Dude, that's so On tough. the bubble. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of conditions. The good thing for the CA, there's a lot of football left to be played. The bad thing for the CA is there's a lot of football left to be played. Um, even New Hampshire's three and zero in the conference, but they're also they haven't beat anybody outside of the conference. So uh, I, I don't know what to think of them as a contender. They're coming in with a, a first year head coach with an experienced quarterback, but I, I don't see them at the end of the year uh, being one of those teams that's going to going to be there um but i would say they're going to get four teams uh delaware for sure and then right now elon and william mary are for sure and then we'll see from the rest but i I think that's a four bid conference at the moment i don't not when you have our four patriot team league we're gonna have four teams from the patriot league in there (laughs) so there's no way you're gonna fit all the ca teams in (laughs) oh man kyler i think the big sky is probably getting the most this year i think that conference is just killing it but do you see the caa honestly having virtually no drop off of what could be the big three we we talked about its demise with james madison going away is this conference still intact and are they going to throw teams in the playoffs yeah i actually 
think the Missouri Valley CA and Big Sky may each just get four each. I, I don't think there's going to, because I think there's going to start to be some chaos and they're actually going to be beating up each other, kind of the, some of the top teams in the middle tier. And then you have the bottom of each one of those conferences that I don't think can work their way up to win uh, a playoff bid. So, if, I mean, if the CA, if the season ended today, I think you have Delaware in, I think you have Elon in, I think you have Rhode Island in, and I think you have William and Mary. And then you got New Hampshire on the bubble. But the reason why they're not winning it right now is because, you know, they still lost to North Carolina Central, who just got shellacked by Campbell. Um, and then Villanova doesn't have really any good wins. Um, Richmond doesn't have any good wins. I mean, they barely got through, what is it, St. Francis, PA? Um, so, I mean, looking at it, I think you probably just say four teams right now. And I think that's probably going to be pretty realistic as the season goes on. And then I see four from the Valley, four from the big sky. So yeah, give me, give me the big three each getting four. Then 12 across the board. And that would be about as normal as we're used to. And we're just keeping this rolling. Everybody's like, man, who's winning this conference? Who's winning this conference? Well, there was a ton of discussion this week on Twitter, Facebook. It was all over the place about the SoCon. You might as well throw them in the mix, which brings us to our final Big 7 question. And I just label this one's Fans Nation because of everybody talking about it. So Fans Nation wants to know, um, what does the SoCon title race look like right now? And who is likely to come out on top? And how many playoff teams are coming from that conference? Basically, guys, what is the playoff field on October 2nd, 2022? Just tell us all the playoff teams. But really, when you look at the SoCon right here on YouTube, got it pulled up. Um, the overall records of the top three are all four and one uh, conference, all undefeated. And then it's a bunch of 500 conference records. I know we're only two games in, but boy, teams like Samford that Jamie's now high on teams like Mercer. We've all we've always liked Chattanooga, the mocks. I mean, who on God's green earth is going to be winning this conference? Kyler, what do you think about the good old SoCon? Well, I think the SoCon they're improved from last year, but I, I don't think they're significantly improved. I still think they have a lot of decent to good quarterfinal second round caliber teams. And I think it's the top three, Chattanooga, Mercer, and Sanford. The good news is they all get to play each other, right? Uh, so we're going to get to see if there's a little bit of chaos. If they split them, that's going to be real fun. Um, but yeah, I think there's probably three SoCon teams that are going to make the playoffs right now. I like those three teams. I have them all ranked fairly high um all of them are within my top 20 and i think two of them are, are right around near the top 10 i think chattanooga i have at about 13 and mercer at 11 so it's something like that and then stanford i have about 15 16 but then i, I don't like the rest of their conference I, i'm looking at them like i think western carolina they got a good offense they stink i think the citadel's horrible i think vmi is not good i think wofford may be the worst team in the fcs and then I was right about ETSU. They just don't look that good after Holmes left in their head coach. They just don't look good. So, um, yeah, the SoCon's kind of what we expect. You have three solid teams who maybe are going to murder each other. And then the good thing is there's still like a few decent teams, not good, but also not bad, like a Western Carolina, Furman. That can upset some of the top ones um, to create a little chaos. But, yeah, the SoCon is what it is. They lack a title contender. They lack an elite team but they still have three really good teams. I can give a lot of teams in the FCS a scare three top 15 caliber teams, in my opinion. So that's not a bad conference when, when you got three teams who are staring at the top 15 in mine. 
Um, but yeah, they're going to beat each other up. I, nope. If you had to have me pick who do I think's going to win, give me Mercer right now. I think Mercer's playing the best ball. But the fun thing is I believe all of them are kind of at the end of the season when they play each other or near towards the end of the season. So it's going to be fun to see how it all kind of plays out. But we may have some 3-7-0 versus the FCS teams going into where they start playing each other. This this happened last year. Um, ETSU was an outlier last year because they were they were so good. They had their FBS win, and everyone was like, okay, are they going to be a top four or five seed? But last year, up below ETSU, it feels like the top of the conference right now, where early midseason, we were just like, whoa, holy crap. You know, it was VMI, and it was ETSU, and it was all these teams that we thought could possibly be. We get three, four teams in the SoCon, and they kind of ate each other alive at the end. And it really, the last week, a bunch of them lost, which affected their abilities to get bids in there. And it all kind of fell apart. Is it falling apart this year, Jamie, or is it going to stay together and we're actually going to see some multi-bids here? Uh, I think they do get multi-bids. I think last year it did. It all fall, fell apart, and it fell apart because teams that were on the bubble like Mercer, like Chattanooga, lost to teams like VMI, Western Carolina. I don't see that this year. I think Chattanooga is probably the most vulnerable just because I don't like their offense. I love their defense, mm-hmm. but I don't like their offense. I think Mercer, uh, Kyler, it was right on them. I, I think they're the most balanced team in the SoCon. Samford, they can score, and their defense is well, well improved. But mm-hmm. um, I think two teams are going to wind up in the playoffs. I think they're three, maybe four playoff caliber teams. But we joke with Kevin all the time, but that team, that conference does cannibalize itself. I mean, we all know that the Citadel sucks, so they're probably going to finish last. So that's, I mean, Kevin's just a homer on that, but from <laughs> Kevin's coming for of, you. That's right. From the standpoint of the conference, he, he's right. It's just more fun to argue with them and, you know, get them riled up, especially on a Saturday night. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think Mercer takes this conference and I think, there's a solid chance they wind up with a seed. Oh my god, that would hey, who knows at this point? Like th- that's a weird thing. Before we're in the big seven, typically people are just like these four or five teams or seeds or whatever. I I think there's only two or three you feel really confident in right now that could actually pull off seeds at the end, even with half the season. I, I mean, there's a lot of things that could really occur with a lot of these teams. So it'll be interesting. Well, I'm glad we figured out all the playoffs and we know everybody who's going to be in the field and everyone who's winning all the conferences. So thank you so much to those seven folks who tossed us those questions. And before we get into some more of our quick hits, it is obviously very, very important that we do a little bit of gambling every week and bet some tacos. It's time to put your money where your mouth is. And if you're right, put some tacos in there too. This is Thompson's Taco Bets. Okay, gentlemen, it is time to do just a little bit of betting, and we have two outstanding taco bets this week. That's right, two taco bets coming our way. And we're going to start with the first one here from Mr. Dustin Perman, who always throws us really, really good questions every week. I believe he's a South Dakota State fan. And his question is very, very simple. South Dakota State has held all five teams they've played, to include FBS Iowa, this year to less than 100 yards rushing. 
So he says he wants to see us do a taco bet amongst each other of how many games does this last? So how many more games will the less than 100-yard streak continue? South Dakota State's remaining schedule is brutal. Starting this week with rival USD, the Coyotes coming down there to South Dakota State, and then they're going to North Dakota State. They still have to play teams like UND on the road. They have to go to Northern Iowa. So when we look across their schedule, how many more games does this go? So just give me the amount of games, and whoever kind of nails it will not have to buy tacos. I'm saying it ends this week. I'm saying that the rivals in Brookings are going to just barely eclipse 100 yards. I think NDSU would be an easier pick because of how we run our offense, but I'm sorry, Dustin. I think you're going to win this week, but I think the streak of the 100 yards goes down this coming Saturday. So, Kyler, what do you think? One game, two games, three games, the rest of the season, what happens? Well, I thought you were going to be a homer and pick, you know, the next week. And I was just going to, you know, try and one up you like the price is right and bid $1. Uh, but you know what? Since you bid the $1, and I don't want to pick what you pick. You know what? South Dakota couldn't really run against Montana. Um, they really struggled even running a little bit last week. Give me, yeah, give me NDSU being the first team that gets over 100 yards. Um, just because I didn't want to pick what you picked, you jerk. I think uh, you have probably the best odds out there on the field. Jamie, are you going to jump on one of us here in terms of agreement, or are you going to go further down the line? Well, I thought when I listened to the Wax on podcast that their guest, Nathan McCreary, told me that South Dakota State wasn't very good. So um, I, that's just what I heard. Um, but I'm going to agree with Kyler that it ends against North Dakota state, but I'm going to take it one step further and say the next week against North Dakota, they also give up a hundred yards rushing. Oh, dang. Extra taco on the back end. No, we're, we're adding some guac to that. Oh yes. Okay. So this is the the high end taco. When we put that order in, in Frisco, this is a taco bell, Matt. I I know your 12 year old stomach likes taco bell and McDonald's or whatnot, but. I love it. Uh, my stomach hates it after about an hour, but God, it is so good going down early. Okay, we have one extra taco bet tonight, guys, because on Twitter we were called out, we were shouted out. So here you go. Uh, the next taco bet and is going to be from some of our best friends out there on the Twitter sphere. FCS Triumvirate Poll Twitter wants to know. Or no, they're not even saying they want to know. Sorry, I'm reading this question wrong. (laughs) They are saying, they are simply saying that Southern Illinois will win five of their remaining six games with their sole loss being the NDSU to finish out the season. This is a three-for-three taco exchange with three of y'all for the three of us. So they're saying SAU does win five of their last six games. Let's, uh, first things first, we're going to accept this taco bet, right? Like, undoubtedly. So we're going to say they're going to lose at least two games, but let's do a little bit of research here. Looking at SIU's remaining schedule, um, who are they going to lose to besides NDSU? That's the real question. Kyler, Jamie, who do we think that's coming to? Where that's going down at? Um, Man. Well, I think, yeah, North Dakota State for sure. And then I'm, I'm curious about the Northern Iowa game. Um, and I, I'm... I probably am more vocal than anyone else thinking Northern Iowa should not deserve any type of credibility, but they somehow always get it. Uh, but it, they're still a tough team always. Um, so, yeah, and then I, I'm excited about this week's game. 
against Missouri State, right? Mm -hmm. Missouri State's on a downward slump. Southern Illinois was on a downward slump in the beginning of the year, figured it out and started torching people. But they didn't look extremely good against Illinois State last week as well. Man, give me... I'm curious, do I do three losses or two? Uh, I think I think we got to go with two. I think they'll get the best of Missouri State. Yeah, yep. It's Missouri State or it's going to be Northern Iowa that they're going to lose to. Well, they could they could go lose. I to I can see them lose to South Dakota as well. They could go to South Dakota and lose. And I can yeah. see them at the very end losing even to Youngstown State. But I can see Southern Illinois beating all of them. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. All right, yeah. Let me just go Northern Iowa. Yeah, so we're definitely going to take the bet. We're going to say they're definitely losing to North Dakota State, which you guys agree with, but they're going to lose one more. So we will throw that taco bet on there. Regardless, we're all winners because we get to see each other down in Frisco and exchange tacos, and that will be a ton of fun. So there are the taco bets. I've got them down in my notes section here. We'll do a recap one of these weeks. For now, though, we need to get right into some quick hit questions. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care. These are the quick hit questions of the week. Oh, Mr. Joe Gass, one of our best Delaware fans, kicks us off, guys, with some quick hit questions. And um, he's not going to get probably the answer he wants right off the bat because he says, quick take, is it a mistake by the College of William & Mary to have scheduled Delaware for homecoming? Uh, you may have guessed the game of the week here, Joe, uh, but... It's it, it's a good thing. You're going to get butts in the seats. The ticket sales are going to be huge. Yep, I see the nods from my fellow hosts here. Uh, that's going to get the fans rallied up. They're going to have a good time. They'll stay the whole game, and it'll be good. So I think that's a really good, uh, yep. what appears to be a randomly scheduled homecoming game that just worked out to be what will be most people's top 25 matchup of the week. So very exciting stuff. All uh, right. Real, real quick, Matt, on that. Yep. It's, it's what... William Mary does because they don't have an overly passionate fan base. So they will generally schedule their most travelable opponent generally as their homecoming game. Last year, the homecoming game was JMU. So, you know, a, a team that doesn't have a big, as big a fan base is going to schedule the team that they feel is going to draw the most fans. Whereas a team that draws fans is going to just schedule a win. Hey, that's really well said. Hey, that's that's called thinking smarter. They're playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers with that homecoming game. So nerds, nerds, <laughs> I ain't playing chess. All right, Jamie, you're a stats top twenty five guy. You're a Walter Payton voter. Matt Bernhardt, and he had a laughing emoji attached to this. So when he put this question, he said, "Is Sean Chambers a better fullback than Hunter Lipke? Uh, what What do you think? Is Mel Kiper tweeting about both of these guys or just one? No." Hunter Lipke is dominating the FCS right now. <laughs> I mean, Chambers looks really good, though. Um, I, yeah. I can't say anything bad about him. I mean, but I mean, Hunter's been doing it for a couple of seasons, and Sean's been doing it for about three games. But Montana State fans should be really excited about what Sean Chambers brings to that team uh, because he's the reason they're going to continue to win football games. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see what he continues to do to help carry Montana State into some tough parts of their schedule coming up here. Okay, Kyler, ready for your take here. Mr. Jason Plotkin has another question here for us. Which of the winless FCS programs are most surprising at this point of the season? And as I kind of click through and I kind of look around, I see Western Illinois. I see Robert Morris's. Man, some fans are going to be pissed. I'm going to say their team's name. 
I mean, Stony Brook is never anything to be crazy about, but I think there's a few outliers out there, like some central Connecticut states. I think even Murray states could be considered to be, uh, you know, kind of outliers. Who is the most weird winless team right now? Um, are you, or is it the your Wofford Terriers? Are you still shocked by by them? Who do you got? Surprisingly, I actually don't think there's any big shocking one. I mean, um, when I was trying to look through this and see who I could maybe name and i was like all right maybe charleston southern out of the you know big south but i'm looking at all their games and i'm like everyone's kind of losing the games they should have lost i don't think there is any weird winless team i mean stony brook may be the weirdest one but even then i mean they lost rhode island last year in a close game now they they lost to an fbs team in umass who is trash but it's still an fbs so you can't just count that as a win then they lost to Richmond Big, who everyone thought was in their top 25. And they lost to William Mary, who's a top 25 team. I mean, and Stony Brook was about a five-win team last year, if I'm right, Jamie. Uh, in that range. Somewhere in that range. So that's probably the best of the winless teams. But even then, looking at their schedule, they kind of lost all the games that they should have lost anyway. Uh, so, yeah, give me Charleston Southern or... Yeah, even then, no, not really. Everyone's kind of Kyler's like you're supposed to stay. The only one that is maybe a shock, and it was if Draylon Ellis was still in, um, you know, Tennessee State losing to Lane. That's the oh, only game ugh. out of the winless ones where they probably should have one win. They they shouldn't have any more than one, but they should have beat Lane. But last week they lost their quarterback, you know, a all American from the Ohio Valley that transferred over to him, and their backup looks bad. So, so I mean yeah, that maybe that's the most shocking one because of that's the only one out of the winless teams that actually probably should have one win. Everyone else should have zero. Yeah, very. Uh, I might well, look at Maine. Yeah, uh, Maine's yeah, kind but of surprising. Still, I mean, their schedule they played two FBS teams, but I still and think they, they were bad have last year. Yeah, so, more wins than Stony Brook. <laughs> yeah. I thought Murray State was interesting because they were above 500 the last two seasons. So I was, you know. I'd, I'd see posts about them on the page and we'd see about the racers. And I was like, okay, they're the program's building. To okay. Build them up you know? because they're going to the Valley. You're already doing this strength of schedule Valley. We, we see right over this strong strength of schedule. <laughs> Nick Nichols state too. Nichols. I thought that they're yeah, Nichols was a little five. shocking, but yep. then again, you look at their schedule and you go, eh, they kind of lost who they should have lost to. Kind of makes sense. All right. What does make sense is Brandon Wolf asking us a great question. He goes, can you list the top pl 10 players in the FCS? I cannot. I can tell you a bunch of them. Jamie, we're not going to get to 10, but who are a few that are on your radar right now when you think about the big awards, both for offensive, defensive player of the year, Jerry Rice? Who's like some of the names you've been tracking as you prep for voting at the end of the season? Uh, I'll just stick with, with offense because that's probably what he wants to know. Uh, Tim Demorat, Lindsey Scott, Shadur Sanders, Parker McKinney. Yeah, there's a those are the guys that that I really look at. Hunter Lipke, I, I better say Hunter, uh, because he's playing great. So I mean, there's there's five. I mean, obviously you go to quarterbacks. Uh, so that's that's where I would lean right now. Uh, top five, Kyle. You got five more? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it, it's still so early in the season, and there's so many unbalanced schedules right now. It is hard to just say who's going to be the top 10. Also, are, are you just 
asking who's the top 10 stats wise? Are you asking who's the top 10 that's going to have the highest chance to make the NFL or who's just overall the best in their position? Uh, it, there's just too many to name. And I don't know. I would be doing a disservice just throwing out names. And I'll, th- I'll throw one uh, one defensive player right now. I, I think Adam Bach is the leader in the clubhouse for the Buchanan, in my opinion. Mm, absolute stud. Yeah. So Jamie's the guy to go to, Brandon, if you want to DM him for getting more specifics, as he does a lot of prep work for those awards, which is awesome. Adam Peterson posted an individual post to get this question in. So Adam, of course, I'm going to get you in, my man, a good Redbird fan. He says, thoughts on the SIU-ISU Redbird game? Is the Valley going to be this close throughout as these games match up? And thoughts on that last play of the game with a few questions about a pass interference call? Um, I just have to say, Adam, that you guys got your one win after our taco bets. You're one win away from me losing a taco bet knowing these two guys' tacos. So we'll see. Probably Western Illinois is your best shot. So we'll see how that goes. Jamie, a little reaction to that last play of the game, man. Uh, I I like the no call. Uh, if you watch the play, uh, it's kind of a, kind of a fade to the the back corner of the end zone. A little bit of hand fighting between the uh, receiver and the defensive back. What the defensive back does right, textbook, hundred percent, is their hand fighting. Both both of them, as the ball's getting there, he turns his head, he sticks his hand out, so he makes a play on the football. So that's that's gonna that's gonna be the no call. Uh, if they called it. I would have seen it because that's what they do. They just make calls like that late in games. I mean, Southern Illinois was unfortunately a, a victim of one against Southeast Missouri. Uh, they got the no call this time, and I agree with the no call. I know ISU fans are going to say, oh, it was pass interference. Saluki's fans are going to say, no, it wasn't. I, I lean towards it wasn't. And like I always say, there are 59 other minutes in which to win the game. Yes, no mercy and uh, no excuses from Mr. Jamie Williams. Kyler, you saw this gentleman in person. Andrew Markham wants to know, uh, Lindsey Scott, he kind of had an undisclosed leg injury since that Nevada game, and it seems to be fully healthy now. Is he a front runner or a top three guy for the Walter Payton Award again now that he's going to be fully healthy? Yeah, I mean, he was definitely injured during Prairie View when I was there. You could see him. He was limping, and he was still making incredible throws. Um He's definitely a you know a top three guy for the Walter Payton right now. I, I just don't know. Does he pass Demora right now? Who's just it's insane. I think it's right now a two headed race, and then Sanders is you know right thereafter. But I still think there's a big gap between those two and everyone else right now. If you're strictly looking at what they've done on the field, who have they beat? The numbers that they're putting up is absurd. Um, yeah, I mean. He's definitely a top three candidate. Do I think he's a front runner? If you asked me two weeks ago, absolutely. He's a front runner. But then Demorat, I mean, his worst game is four touchdowns and what? 500 yards? Like, feels like it. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be close. Whatever whatever Tosh put in that family, uh, it's, it's working well. But uh, yeah, I think those are definitely the two front runners right now. Yeah, some stud players right there. Speaking of studs, Joel Mayer wants to know, uh, more impressive, McLaughlin or Lipke? Um, okay, so if Youngstown State's running back, if you want to talk about just pure back, it's probably the edge to him. I watched these guys both play live at the Dome. Um, he it's kind of a slow first half, but second half really was making NDSU pay. He had some really impressive all the way back around the field across the other side, like third and 18, all the way for a first down. Well, Reggie Bushish. 
just yeah it was really freakish and he had some pretty good plays where he's dragging tacklers so pure running back him but pure athlete overall player it's hunter by a far mile i mean he's lining up in the slot he's lining up at the tight end position he's in wishbone packages running back fullback he goes all the way out he's just all over the field they're throwing him the ball he might be the best receiver on the team i don't know man but uh pure running back We'll give it to the YSU guy, and then uh, Hunter gets the athlete nod for myself. I think uh, the Bison coaching staff is really doing a great service to Hunter, showing his versatility to the uh, scouts at the next level, because I-, I think he's a guy that can play at that level, but just as a fullback, you might not see enough on him. But with them moving him around, showing how versatile he is, how good his hands are, I, I know they're trying to win football games, and that's probably not at top of their mind, but what they're doing is going to help him in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys like Mel Kuyper and Jim Nagy and others tweeting about him this week. So the uh, hype is for real. And uh, final quick hit question, guys. Brian Muniz will end with you with some great questions for us. He says, what's your guys' favorite thing about the fall? Non-football related, please. So no football related. Kyler, fall season's upon us. The leaves are falling. The weather's cooling down. What's your favorite thing, my man? Here's the deal. Instead of saying my favorite thing, I'm going to say Matt's favorite thing. Oh, oh. yeah. We're, we're going to have a game and we'll see if we're right. Okay. Um, this is okay. This is good. So, you know, we'll, we'll each pick each other's. Okay. So I'm going to pick both of yours. Matt's it's definitely horror movies. That is, that is it. It's Halloween horror movies. Loves blood. loves gore. It is what it is. Uh, he puts a little slipknot on, watches a horror movie and that's, that's Christmas. So that is Matt's favorite fall. Jamie. Hmm. This one's gonna be a little, a little more. Difficult. Remember, I'm simple. I think Jamie's I easier think, than yours, Kyle. I think actually Jamie's a more romantic guy, even though he doesn't like to think it. He likes to look at the fall uh, foliage. He, he brings his wife. They go look at trees. Um, they love the changing of the colors because you know he's a well-read, established man coming from James Madison. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I would actually just say it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be the weather. Uh, I think Jamie just probably likes it cool down. Wears a little flannel sweater vest. I don't know. Uh, uh, did you go to Richmond? I don't wear damn sweater <laughs> vest. <laughs> okay, no, no reveals till the end. I love that Kyler put this twist in here. Um, I'm gonna go with Jamie with hockey. Uh, I, I'm not a hockey guy, but I'm pretty sure NHL kicks off in October or November. So I'm gonna say that has to be his best part. It's not football, but. I know he's a huge hockey guy. I forgot about other sports. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then I'm going to say with Kyler, I'm going to say it has to be something to do with there's some sort of food or brewery special around where him and his wife live that they go to and and that they really enjoy being at. Mm. But maybe they only the fall menus and, and brews just kind of match exactly where they want to go out to. So something on that capacity, mm. or I don't know if Madden ramps up more in the fall. And so he can kick people's butts on Madden. Cause I've seen him just dominate folks, but I'm going to go with kind of the foodie take with Kyler. So yeah. All right, Jamie. Uh, yep. Go ahead. All right. Let's see. Yeah. I'm going to uh, stick with Kyler on, on what Matt's is uh, Halloween. Uh, another guy loves some, some Halloween and, <laughs> Dressing up as Pennywise and all that other kind of crap. Uh, for Kyler, along the same lines, Matt, I think he's waiting for some good Oktoberfest beers. Probably not pumpkin spice beers, but, you know, good Oktoberfest, like a maybe a Sam Adams or maybe something a little bit more uh, local. But, yeah, I, I think you were spot on there, Matt. 
Well, you guys have me pegged because I don't like when the weather starts to cool. I do like the heat. And you guys know I'm obsessed with Christmas. As soon as Halloween ends, like my Christmas stuff goes up. So in that little time span, exactly. Horror movies, throw it on. Let's have some fun <laughs> on Halloween. So well done there. Uh, Jamie, what do you got, man? Best part it's of the It's got to be hockey. Y'all were, were both on the right path. Hockey for sure. I mean, it, it starts next week. So that's always good. I'll be going to probably be November before I hit a, a game. But I do. I like the weather changing. But I, what I like about it is sit around a fire pit. Mm. The temperature gets down in the 60s, 50s. Just put the fire pit on. Just could keep throwing logs on it and, and just sit around, literally sit around a fire pit, family, friends, hang out, chat. It just, I'm getting a new patio done and the damn thing, hopefully it'll be done within a month. Nice. And the first thing I'm going to do is put a fire on. The real Ron Swanson. Okay, Kyler, I think you may have been our toughest pick here, but I'm confident we're okay. What do you got? If you would have asked me while I still lived in Spokane, I think you would have been dead on. Uh, cause then I drink my IPAs. I like, you know, a little bit of that, but down in the heat in the South, I don't like fancy beer anymore. Cause it's too damn hot all the time. Oh. I just drink my Dos Equis and my lime beers. Cause that's all that's craving. So my favorite thing about the fall, when I moved down to the South, it is not a hundred degrees and a hundred percent humidity. It is nice outside. I can go outside and not get just dominated by mosquitoes anymore. So I'm not sweating my ass off every time I walk outside the door and you just see a swamp ass puddle. Um, so, so uh, yeah, man, no, it's it's actually when I live down here, it's, it's just the weather. It, this is the best time of the year when we are at the Battle of Pinewood is in the 80s, which some people think that's still hot. That is ideal. It is bright blue oh, sky, perfect. 80 degrees. Beautiful. So that's what it is. Well, that, uh, man, I'm so right in front of us too. And that was tough. I was thinking about your multi-state. I'm like, okay, he's in Texas now. So yeah, if it was Washington, it's beer and getting ready for snowboard season. Yeah. Right? I just figured you just like to drink. Yeah. Wow. Dang it. Uh, it's not, it's, it is light beer, baby. <laughs> Almost oh, as simple man. as me with the beer, buddy. <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Well, now we know what everybody's up to in the fall besides football. Thank you so much to everyone for the quick hit questions. With that, let's get into our game of the week this is the matchup you should be paying attention to this is the fcs fans nation game of the week all right guys game of the week here we go um we kind of mentioned it earlier in the episode but rankings as of sunday october 2nd probably updated when you're listening to this number six five and oh delaware at number 18 four and one william and mary huge matchup in the caa this one's gonna be massive it's so easy to start with Jamie here because he was CAA. So we're going to start with Kyler. Who do you think, man? Delaware traveling to William & Mary. Man, this is a fun game because it's at William & Mary. It's homecoming. It's going to actually be a good crowd. Uh, then you have like Yoder, who is absolutely torching people on the ground versus Delaware, who's kind of the opposite. Henderson is throwing the ball well. He's super efficient. 16, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's absolutely dominating. These look like the two best teams in the CA right now. We'll have to see how it plays out. I just think Delaware, too good on defense, a little bit better on offense, especially in the passing department. I, I like Delaware. Give me Delaware right now. All right, Delaware with the win. You got a score prediction there, Kyler? Or? Oh, man. Uh, let's go Delaware 27, William & Mary 18. 
Oh boy. All right. Uh, I am going to go with William and Mary for the victory only for the fact that they're at home. And my logic behind that is the fact that when you look at total offense, William and Mary is 17th and Delaware is 19th. And you look at total defense, William and Mary is 20th. Delaware is fourth. So that's quite a bit of a jump, but overall they're both up in the top 25 of both categories. So if it's that close and I respect the coaches and I like what both teams are doing, I'll just take the home team in a close classic on homecoming 27, 24. Uh, I'll take William and Mary for the victory. Jamie Williams. What do you got? Well, I'm glad you're not posting up the records of these game of the week picks this year. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you pick, I'd like yeah. to change my pick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We One of y'all is going to want to change your pick here in a little bit. Um, <laughs> Cool thing about this game is not only is it a huge matchup, is uh got an email from my father-in-law Friday afternoon. It's like since my wife and I said, like, Hey, y'all want to go to the game next week? That game he is a William Mary season ticket holder, so I will be at this game. So I'm super Ooh, excited to get down to Williamsburg, nice. see this huge, huge matchup, which could by the time the uh, polls come out be a top fifteen matchup for both teams. Um so yeah, I'm excited to, to be there. Uh might even get some, you know, press passes. We'll see. I've uh, reached out. We'll see what happens. Uh, now to the game. William Mary's path to win is control the control the game, control the clock, and they can do that. They've got a running game that that can run for two hundred plus yards. But I think Delaware can strike quick, and I think their defense is a little bit better overall. So I think I'm just gonna lean Delaware. Like Jesus Christ. Uh huh. <laughs> 23 to 20. That's why I go last. Yes. Uh, no, so no. you can't influence by my terrible picks. Nope. Every week uh, from now on, Jamie's going first. Nope. And Matt just, we just picked the opposite. Nope. Y'all go last. Uh, <laughs> I would like to see the records because I might have one. Might. No one's doing great. I think I have two. Yeah. We'll have to, I, I will update that and we'll have it for next week. We'll have the overall rankings. It has not been pretty. Yeah. Not, not awesome. Well, we're trying our best. And (laughs) what was awesome was another great episode of the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for supporting us. Again, this is season six. Um, We really appreciate everybody. Our views and our listens and our clicks and our likes and our subscribes continue to grow. YouTube, we're nearing 1,300 subscribers. We're pushing that 500-plus views on YouTube alone. And then you added another 1,000-plus between google and anchor and apple so just wherever you're listening to around the country we continue to get dms and support from people we we just really appreciate it um so if you're just coming across from us make sure you hit subscribe uh we really are just so thankful for all the support so sometimes i'm speechless even thinking about it but for kyler jamie and myself we will wish you and your team's health and good luck into the next weekend and we are Boy, lining up for Dakota marker games and some big matchups coming in the coming weeks. So we will be sure to discuss those when they come. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Have a great one. Catch you next week. Boom. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS 
football. Both. I, I hate I hate that drinks. for the Rev. Isn't that two years in a row they lost in the last play? Yeah. <laughs> or at least effectively.